0: Hey, you're listening to Ghost Notes, the podcast where we look at music inside and out. I'm Noah, you probably know me as Polyphonic.
1: And I'm Corey, and I make the YouTube channel 12tone. And today we figured we'd address, I think, a pretty simple question, one that shouldn't take us very long. Just, uh, what is music? I've actually already made a video about this, so I'm on the record, so I figure probably best to start with you. Noah, what is music?
0: I was just going to say that I think we probably should have made this the first episode, so usually, you know, you introduce a topic to somebody before you do six or seven episodes of a podcast on it. (laughs) So for those of you who have never heard of it, music... (laughs) (laughs) Actually, kind of similar to our discussion on cover songs, we all know what music is... It's one of those things where I don't need to explain to you, like, the rhythmic and melodic arrangement of notes and things like that. Like, we all kind of intrinsically know that stuff. A better way of phrasing the question might even be like, what counts as music? Do you think that's yeah. that's kind of a better that works. approach to the angle? Works for me. And in doing so, obviously, we'll find out what music is. Yeah. I love this question because... It's one of these questions that seems like it should be the easiest thing in the world to answer, but you say, okay, well, music is like harmony, melody, rhythm, arranged, however you want to say that. And then I guess the first question that kind of always comes up with this is, well, what about 433? Yeah. So, So for those who don't know, can you quickly explain what 433 is? I'm pretty sure most people know what it is by now. It's pretty famous, but... 433, and by the way, just I do
1: later on want to get to specifically the harmony melody rhythm thing. I have a lot of thoughts on that. We can come back to that. But uh, 433 (laughs) is a piece by John Cage. It's actually not my favorite example in these sorts of things, but it is a common one. What it is, is a performer comes out, sits down at usually a piano, but you can play it on any instrument, play, and just sits there for four minutes and 33 seconds. And there's A whole bunch of debate as to what this actually is. Like, is it silence? Not really. Is it supposed to be the the sound of the room? Not really. It's complicated. That's a whole other topic. But basically, the point is that it contains none of the elements that we would traditionally consider music, like harmony, melody, and rhythm, but still is presented as music. One of the reasons I don't tend to like it as an example is because it's very blunt about that, right? There is no question that it contains none of these musical elements.
0: It's kind of like the most extreme example that you can look at
1: yeah like i've I've described it in the past as sort of taking a sledgehammer to the problem right yes whereas if you look at other experimental pieces you can get a lot more ambiguity like one that i really like is another john cage piece called imaginary landscapes number four i believe written for 12 a.m radios and 24 performers and it's just a set of instructions to turn volume knobs and like tuning knobs to different positions at different times. And so you get sound and music coming out of it. And sometimes you get static, sometimes you get advertisements, sometimes you get news reports or weather. It all depends on what is happening. It has something that you can sort of recognize. And so I, I think it makes a more interesting sort of case study, personally.
0: I I think with 433, I think it's something that you kind of need to bring up in these conversations, but I'm actually- Oh, for sure. I'm pretty comfortable saying 433 is not music. I'm not, but- (laughs) I'm pretty comfortable saying 433 is performance. I think it's performance art. I don't really think it's music.
1: I would agree with you, except that I would argue that it working as performance art requires you to accept that it is music.
0: Is this the, is this the like Schrodinger's cat of music? (laughs) (laughs) Could be, could be. See, I don't think so. I don't think you need to accept that it's music. I think you need to accept that it is a composition. Typically a composition tends to be music, but I think 433 is a composition that is kind of composed within the structural framework of music and put forth within that cultural framework that is itself not music
1: that's not an uncommon stance. Like I'm not, yes, certainly not going to claim that you're wrong there because this is all subjective anyway. I don't find that to be the most personally useful way to think about 433 is what I'll say on that point.
0: <laughs> Honestly, the, the thing is, again, I don't want to get too bogged down in 433 because I think there's a lot of really good takes on it. One that I watched recently, um, are you familiar with the YouTuber Tom Nicholas? I'm not, no. Oh, he's he's great. So he does uh, like philosophical and political theory stuff, but he recently did one about the theory of sh- posting and kind of talked about 433 in that context and how not necessarily saying that it was a sh- post, but saying that it kind of has some commonalities with some goals that people yeah. have call- called that before. Yeah, I
1: mean, I could certainly see the argument that sort of the minimalist movement as a whole, which 433 isn't technically a part of, but, you know, is is sort of a forebear that you could sort of look at a lot of that as sort of like musical shit posting. I, I could see the argument there.
0: Let's kind of go settle on 433 and say it is music, but it's music that's not music. Yeah. <laughs> and let's talk about some more interesting experimental pieces, because I think that's that's a good place to start here. Do you want to talk about the other kale piece a little bit more?
1: Uh, the other Cage piece?
0: K- yes. <laughs> yes, <sorry. laughs> No, no, yeah. John Cale is also a fantastic musician, but very different <laughs> musician.
1: <laughs> According to a musicologist friend I talked to about this a while back, there's this interesting debate going on about Imaginary Landscapes number three. I'm going to say three. we will We'll pretend it's three going on about this piece because AM radio is dying. Mm. And so there's this question of can you perform this piece anymore and there's so you can sort of translate it to fm and do relative tunings or whatever but like fm radio is fundamentally the structure of it is different and what gets played on fm radio is different and so it's a question of like is this a honest interpretation of this piece and i don't know that that relates to whether or not it's music but i think it's a really interesting fact so i thought i would sneak it in here while i had the chance
0: imaginary landscapes is something that i would be pretty content to call music because it's it's kind of organized around this rhythmic structure and and what the sounds are obviously depends vastly on what's coming out of the radio at the time it's kind of an extension of playing a piece on different instruments you're going to get a different timbre you're going to get different sounds you're still playing the same piece it's just kind of that taken to the most experimental extreme
1: you could also compare it to like improvisation right like if you listen to I always use Lullaby of Birdland when I try to pick out a jazz song, uh, but if you listen to Lullaby of Birdland, like different people doing different versions will take different solos, but they're all playing Lullaby of Birdland. But the, the overall, the sound you get is very different because they might be playing a completely different set of notes with a different rhythm and a different tempo, potentially over different chords if they're doing substitutions, but at the heart of it is this same piece. And so in the same way, like two performances of imaginary landscapes in different places at different times are going to sound different. But that doesn't necessarily make it not the same piece.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point on that. And that's a really good way to frame it. Because I think what the piece is, the piece is not actually the music itself in this context. The piece is the structure. The piece is the structure kind of telling you what to play when. And then the sounds that come out as the music change from performance to performance.
1: On that though, I, I sort of I'm interested in your thoughts here because that opens up another question of like, especially because of how you phrased it, like if you look at like it's not so much as as you said, the music, so is individual performances of imaginary landscapes or lullaby of birdland or whatever, I think you and I would have no problem agreeing our music. Yes. But is imaginary landscapes as an abstract concept music in the same way that I, I would say lullaby of Birdland is.
0: I think so. Okay. I mean, I think it's tough because lullaby of Birdland you could at least like look at the charts. And if you knew how to read them in your head, picture it. You couldn't really do that with imaginary landscapes. Maybe I'm convincing myself to come to your side. i 433 as I say this, <laughs> but I think I'm instructions on how to play music are music. I think in a way that like sheet music is literally just instructions on how to play music. I would agree.
1: And I think that sort of, Leads on, and I I am sort of here just recapitulating the video I made about this a couple years ago. But like getting your thoughts along the way, which I think is cool. That sort of leads on to I think the next question that I would have is the graphic score movement. Are you familiar with this?
0: Yes, yes. I think it's really cool. But do do you do you want to explain it for people who are not familiar?
1: So the graphic score movement was a movement in the mid twentieth century. I forget exactly which decade, but one of them where composers would basically draw a score in in that sort of way as an in instead of instructions but instead of using standard notation they would do like pictures and pictographic representations and they wouldn't include instructions for what those pictures meant and so when you perform a piece like this like the the famous example like the Magnum Opus I think is Treaties by Cornelius Cardew and it's basically like it has this like line running through it and then like the pages are like circles and these little like icons and what you're supposed to do is Sit down with it, work out for yourself what each of these symbols means, and then sit down and perform it. You're not like improvising when you perform it. You're supposed to be following a set of rules as if it's composed sheet music, like you were playing Mozart piano sonata or whatever.
0: Didn't John Cage also do one or two of these as well?
1: I would be shocked if he didn't. Yeah. Uh I don't I don't know any off the top of my head, but that would be very unsurprising to learn that that was a thing John Cage had done some of.
0: And I think what's really interesting is when you look at different graphic scores, it's not like it's like there's like a random assortment or like there's like a language that different composers use. Composers of graphic scores use them however yeah. they want. Someone might write random words. Someone might use things that kind of look like notes. Someone might draw, I don't know, a little picture of a unicorn or something like there's no norms that anyone uh conforms to within it.
1: Yeah. And that, I think, is like the, the really interesting thing, because if you look at a graphic score... Without that context, there is no information that tells you how to turn that into sound. And so then the question is, because again, you're supposed to make up your own rules when you interpret it. So different performances of treaties are not going to sound the same in the same way that, say, different performances of a Mozart sonata would. So the question then is, is treaties music? Again, like individual performances, I think you and I would have no issue agreeing is music. but. The score itself, because it doesn't translate to any specific sonic experience, is that music in the same way that, again, Lullaby Birdland would be.
0: I especially think it's interesting because some graphic scores, you could frame them and put them on the walls of like a modern art museum and it would be very easy to treat them as abstract art. I've had a lot of these discussions with people around art because um, I love just absolutely love abstract (laughs) art and I love conceptual art too. And I think this is very, very much in the same neighborhood of like conceptual art. It's conceptual music. It's not a great answer and it's not a satisfying answer, (laughs) but I think something like graphic scores are music. If they are being treated as music, it is the act of observing it as music Similar to with a lot of abstract art where I believe like, I don't know, like Duchamp is the equivalent of, of sure. John Cage in this argument is the Duchamp urinal where it's the idea is the act of observing a piece of music as music makes it music. I think part of what is really fun about this debate is anytime you do any of these things, you can come up with, but what about this? But what about this? Because at the end of the day, there is no concrete answer. Yeah. Sort of like the act of uh, observing turns something into music. Let's say you're driving down the road and you've got, like, something sticks on your tire and it thumps as it revolves over and over again. On its own, that's just a sound pattern. But then if you start to listen to it as music, it becomes music. There is one more conceptual piece that I want to talk about. Are you familiar with I Am Sitting in a Room? Yes, out of curiosity,
1: did you see Tim Blaze version of that? No, he th- he streamed it on YouTube. That's cool. It was like I am streaming in a room. It was it was pretty cool. I
0: saw I saw Marcus Brownlee's uh, version of it
1: where he downloaded an up. Yeah, that was so cool.
0: Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, so so I am sitting in a room. Is a piece where Alvin Lucier recorded himself saying this little paragraph into a tape recorder. Then he put that tape recorder into a room and played it. And recorded the record, like recorded the room with the playing of that voice, and then took that recording, put it in the room, played it, and so basically just stacked this recording of the room on and on and on again. And what happens is it kind of starts out and you start to get these little echoes, but then by the end of like half an hour, it's just these ethereal, ghostly sounds because any room has its own resonant frequencies and when you're playing this over and over and over again it basically those frequencies get amplified more and more and more and highlighted more and more and more and those are all that you can hear in the mix eventually with all of these uh, like hundreds and hundreds of stacks of the voice so you can find it on youtube and honestly i really recommend listening to it you don't need to listen to the whole thing but put it on and click around a little bit. And it's really cool because by the end, it sounds like an ambient piece of music. Like by the end, you you can't really hear any words. And it just sounds like these open, ethereal things. It almost sounds like something that like Brian Eno might make.
1: And if we're going to be plugging experimental pieces, there is one more that I'd like to get in there too. Are you familiar with pendulum music? Is that the like 10,000 year one? No, uh, that's... Either long player or as slow as possible. Uh, yes. Probably long player is a thousand years. So I'm, I'm assuming that's the one you're thinking of.
0: Yeah, I think it's, I think it's long player I'm thinking of.
1: But uh, But no, Pendulum Music is a piece by Steve Reich. And it works by basically you set up these speakers on the ground sort of facing up. And then above them you hang microphones. And then you have the performers just like each pull back the microphones at the beginning of the piece. And simultaneously they let go. And those microphones are hooked up to the speaker, so they swing in front of them, and they create feedback in these sort of rhythmic patterns that's really and cool. there's no human interaction after that beginning. It's just this swinging physical motion, and it's just it's such a profoundly musical experience for me like i I've never seen it live because it's really expensive to set all that up but i've like I've watched videos, and it's just like it's a really, really fascinating experience to just sort of hear this and so they swing it's roughly the same and then eventually they sort of settle and they just have constant feedback and at that point you're just supposed to unplug the system and that's how the piece ends i don't know that it opens any questions about music that we haven't already opened with other examples but i just i love it and i wanted to throw it out there because i think more people should listen to it
0: i do think it does open interesting questions though because i think both pendulum music and i am sitting in a room have this moment where in pendulum music, it's kind of in the reverse of I'm sitting in a room where something kind of starts as music and becomes just like a pure, pure feedback sound. Because I don't think there's yeah. that many people that would tell you that just one straight piece of feedback is music. And same with I'm sitting in a room. Yeah. At what point is this a voice recording? And at what point is it actual music?
1: It's especially I think with both of them, Because they're automated processes, it's not someone doing something that you have to look at. Like, are they doing music or not? It's just like, where is this line? Where does this thing that is just happening physically, either through acoustics or through just pendulum swinging? How does that become music? Does it become music? And I think in both cases, I would say yes.
0: But, you know, I could see the argument for no. Well, and, and once again, this kind of goes into what I was saying before is I think it becomes music. Because it's being observed as music. I think it becomes music when the audience observes it as music. Right.
1: And this, I think, again, to to sort of try again to pivot to more uh, formalized definitions, is pretty in line with the one I use, which, just to give a little bit of pedigree so it doesn't sound like I'm pulling this out of thin air, is derived in part from the definition offered by Luciano Berrio. I'm going to start with the other one, actually, the other major definition that I see floated in academic music circles, which is Edgar Varese, who defined music as organized sound.
0: Mm, Yeah, I've heard that one before.
1: Which I think is a good definition. I think it's a good starting point. Uh, I have two issues with it. The first is the word organized. The second is the word sound. (laughs) In terms of organized, like what I'm doing right now, I am very carefully manipulating my vocal cords, my throat, my tongue, my lips, yeah. all of my vocal tract to make a specific set of sounds with a specific set of frequencies and overtones to communicate a specific idea. That's organization. Yeah. But I don't think you would consider this music. I wouldn't consider this music. I suspect most people listening would not consider this music.
0: Your voice is always music to my ears, Corey.
1: Aw. But uh, <laughs> on the other hand, there are things that I, I think are not intentionally organized like like pendulum music that there is no real intention behind the organization and you can get patterns out of it anyway but it's not really structured intentionally by a human it's just the laws of physics
0: i think another question and maybe this is something that maybe this is this will lead off us off too much of a tangent and we might want to return to this later but when you're talking about organization there's also a question of like who is the one doing the organization because then there's the, there's questions of something like whale song like whale song yeah. or bird song or things like that where we can't actually really know to what degree those are organized nor just natural functions or we we don't really know that stuff and yeah. that begs a whole other question of is whale song music i would say whale song is music but uh But yes, I know that that's certainly a good point. It's just like, what is Pink Floyd certainly thought
1: so (laughs) you go even if you go past animals again to pendulum music again, that swinging is organized by the laws of physics. That's true. Another example is like the falling rain on a rooftop. I think a lot of people could describe that as musical if it's falling at the right rate. And that's not really any intentional process. That's completely stochastic. But you have
0: this pattern that is forming just because events happen to line up. Or a- another another one that's very interesting that lines up with that is wind chimes.
1: Oh, yeah, I was going to mention wind chimes, and then I forgot about them. So thanks for bringing <laughs> that up. That's, I think, a fantastic example of just like, this is something most people would view as definitely musical, but is just is random, is random sound. It's just someone at some point put the intentionality of like making these chimes such that they ring in consonant intervals so that whatever pattern you hear sounds nice. But the actual pattern you get is completely up to the wind and completely up to how this thing happens to swing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good example. It's one of those things I I think, again, I think organized sound is a good definition. But I think it runs into that problem. And I also think sound can be problematic. Again, you have things like the question of the score, right? Like I I would argue Lullaby of Birdland as an abstract concept is a piece of music. I would argue Beethoven's Fifth is a piece of music absent any specific
0: performance of it. Even if you don't want to argue that those are music. Let me do another little thought experiment for music without sound. You mentioned Beethoven's Fifth. Yeah. If you're listening now, think of Beethoven's Fifth. Yeah. That thing in your head was not sound, but I'm pretty sure you'd call that music, or else when you have a song stuck in your head, it's not music.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a really good point. The other issue with sound, putting sound into your definition, is dance. Traditionally we say a lot of non-western cultures but honestly a lot of western cultures too just not like a very specific branch of western classical music that gets way too much attention but like most musical cultures around the world dance is an integral part of the experience yeah the motion of your body is part of listening to music and experiencing music and it's not sound it's motion which sound is motion in air waves whatever go away physicists
0: I'll shout out here uh if you want to learn, like, some more of that, uh, Adam Neely talks about it a lot in uh, in his kind of music theory, the racist origins of music theory video. Um, he yeah. talks a lot about how a lot of cultures conceptualize dance as an integral part of music, and that's really worth a watch.
1: Yeah, and the, the classic example is always, you know, African, especially West African traditions. But, again, really a lot of cultures around the world incorporate dance into their conception of music and most musical forms, even a lot of classical music forms, are dance forms. Yeah. Like the waltz. Like that's the waltz doesn't exist without dance.
0: Again, you're completely right. People people kind of have a habit of relating it to thinking of oh non-Western stuff, but like Celtic music is built around jigs. So much of yeah. so much of uh most folk music is built around dancing.
1: Yeah, no, again, it's this very specific like 19th century branch of Euroclassical music that doesn't prioritize dance. And that's pretty much it. Uh, that's not exclusively it, I know. Uh, just to avoid people yeah. tweeting at me, I understand that that's not the only tradition that doesn't heavily incorporate dance, but it's a pretty common thing across a lot of cultures. The idea that music is sound, sort of marginalizes the value of dance and so again i i don't think that the organized sound definition is bad i think it's a lot better than most definitions that most people would use i just don't think it's perfect because it over specifies while also sort of under specifying yeah Again, to go back to the one that I like is, again, based on a Luciano Berrio quote, who described music as anything you listen to with the intention of listening to music, which I think is better, I th- because I think that frames music, again, like you were saying, it becomes music because you experience it as such. It frames it as this experiential thing that happens on the listener's end instead of the performer's end. It's not that I have made music, it's that you have heard music. I think that that is a much better way of understanding the musical experience. And obviously, if I'm making music, I'm probably also hearing the music I'm making, but still.
0: I will play a little bit of devil's advocate with that approach, though even though that is something that I generally agree to, is with that approach, to use one of our favorite, most controversial examples, people who say hip-hop isn't music, someone could say, I am listening to hip-hop not as music, and it ceases to be music, and I don't know if I even disagree with that sentiment. But I think it is something that is uh, it, it merits discussion at least.
1: <laughs> yeah, I agree. I, that's something that I have sort of had to contend with as presenting this definition. Which, to be clear, I Barrio's definition isn't the exact one I use either. I don't really like his yeah. focus on intent. I think that that. Again, loses things like the getting something stuck on your tire and getting that rhythm or whatever, or hearing raindrops like these sorts of things. I don't think you have to go into an experience expecting or intending for it to be musical in order for it to be musical, uh although to be clear, I believe Barrio's quote was originally said in Italian, so I don't know if this is a mm. translation thing or if it was his actual intended meaning. The English translation says intent, and I don't think that's correct, so the definition I use is that music is anything you experience as music, and that does I agree lead to this gap where you can't necessarily claim that someone is wrong for saying that, say, hip-hop isn't music. And the way I would counter that is that I don't view the experience of music and the experience of not music as equivalently relevant. Mm. So if I say something is music and you say, if I experience something as music and you experience it as not music, my experience is probably significantly more profound and meaningful than yours. Uh, Not necessarily, but almost certainly.
0: I don't know, though, because I think that's that that's a question where I think with something like hip hop, it would tend to be. But what about something like harsh noise? What about uh something like Lou Reed's Metal Machine Music or something like that, where there are people that listen to, for, for those that don't know, Lou Reed's Metal Machine Music is an album he released that is entirely, like like, basically entirely feedback. It's one of the real kind of, like, fundamental earliest pieces of noise music. And noise music in yeah. general is something that someone who is listening to noise music will hear it as music. It's someone who is, does not want to listen to it as music. It's not something that you can just be like, oh, I don't want to engage like that. Like, I don't know if you don't like a hip hop song that's on or something. If noise music is playing, it can be, and, and you don't like it, it can be an emotionally grating experience.
1: I would argue that hinges on you interpreting it as music, though. I think that if I just hear, if I'm just like next to a construction site, that's annoying. I don't like that sound, but it's not an emotional experience. It's just a frustrating
0: one. But I think it is an emotional experience if you live next to a construction site and the construction noise is going all day and it's driving you crazy. That's true. I'll concede that. But I think sort of what I what I'm trying to get
1: at is that I think that there's Very little value specifically gained from labeling something as non-music. And I think that the experience can still be meaningful. I don't think that the experience of it as non-music is meaningful in that context. Mm. I think that 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 is a line where basically, if you don't experience something as music, you are interpreting it through a different framework. And you can experience it through that framework instead. But the absence of being music is not a significant component of your experience so much as the presence of it being something else. And so in that context, I think that broadly speaking, if someone experiences something as music, I think that the better approach is to just trust them. And like, you may not experience it as music. And I, I don't think that's necessarily wrong to not experience something as music, but I don't think that it's it's useful to argue that something isn't music because you don't experience it as such if other people do.
0: I think with that framework, the kind of addendum that i would add or the rephrasing that i would add to your uh thing is music is what's your phrasing exactly again
1: music is anything that you experience
0: as musical i would say music is anything that one experiences as musical sure because then i think that you can say again like any of these definitions with with things like this that are not really concrete you can you can poke holes in this as well yeah. but generally i think if someone even if it's just one person if someone experiences something as music that is music
1: i would agree i think that It's important to recognize that different people can experience things as music and not music, experience the same thing as music and not music simultaneously. But I think it's also important to recognize that there's no value in being a snob about it, especially if you're on the not music side. You don't gain anything by convincing someone else that the musical experience they're having is invalid.
0: Is roughly where I would land on this. I believe the technical term for that is is not being a dick. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think I think that can give us a place to jump into kind of you said you wanted to talk about a bit more of the more specific, the kind of like melody, harmony, rhythm.
1: Yeah, the the Ben Shapiro. Of it yeah, all. yeah, <laughs> yeah. I suspect everyone listening to this is already familiar, but just in case, this is in reference to an argument that Ben Shapiro made in an interview he did.
0: But also, I I will note that Ben Shapiro isn't the only person to have made this argument before.
1: Yeah, see, it's not the first time he's made it either. Yeah. But yeah, this is a common idea that floats around, I think has been propagated a lot by him specifically in recent years but the idea is that music is defined as the combination of harmony melody and rhythm that's sort of the basic argument and that these are the things that make up music and anything that is missing one or more of these three components is not music and that's bad that's a bad way to think about music it's lazy and it's inaccurate it ignores most of the stuff we've talked about so far
0: and it's just insanely easy to debunk too
1: it's also like specifically the inclusion of harmony is incredibly silly because outside of like the european tradition there's a lot of musical traditions that just don't have harmony like not all of them there there are non-european traditions that have harmony but there's also plenty that don't
0: i guess a drum solo doesn't count as music then
1: no nor does a drum line yeah (laughs) this i actually found out fairly recently is that this argument Obviously, it it, did, it doesn't come from nowhere, but it comes, I believe, from misinterpreting Aaron Copeland. Okay. He wrote this book called What to Listen for in Music that was designed to help non-musicians learn to appreciate and listen to music more deeply. He dedicates four chapters to what he calls the four elements of music, which are rhythm, melody harmony and tone color and tone color usually gets dropped from this and i don't know for sure that shapiro is directly referencing this i suspect it's more likely that this is an indirect thing he may have read the book i don't know i believe it shares a conceptual lineage the thing with copeland's book though is that he never argues that music has to have all four of his elements. In discussing why rhythm is, in his estimation, the most primal of the elements, he cites, and I apologize for the extremely 1939 musicology thing I'm about to say, but he cites the music of the Savage Tribes. Uh, it's not great. It's not great. But he does, which she says, is uh, extremely rhythmic and often astonishingly complex.
0: At the very least, he's giving them credit? Yeah.
1: Still not great. You have this specific example of him giving credit to a style of music that is, by his own estimation, purely rhythmic. And so clearly he cannot be arguing that music needs melody and harmony. And so you get these, but I, I believe that by and large, this is where Copeland didn't invent this idea either. But I think that the modern argument largely stems from Copeland's work and co- that, that idea. And that it sort of flows from there, that these are the Elements of music that music is built of these four things, which is sort of what he was saying and sort of not. But then again, you know, I, I, we don't necessarily have to care what Copeland meant. But
0: the thing with that is, yeah, it's just those are things that are commonly in music, yeah. and those are things that that's that's a very fair and fine statement. I think those are commonalities that a lot of music share, it's
1: especially the sorts of music that someone reading Copeland's book would be likely to listen to. Yeah. Like, I think that that's that's an important component, too. But it, it's certainly true that like, for instance, like when I did a video debunking Shapiro's argument, one of my favorite videos I've ever made, I'm very proud of it.
0: It's a great video.
1: You know, when I went to try and find music that didn't have melody or harmony, like it's, it's not easy or not. Not harmony is easy. Melody and rhythm are hard. The real thing that I think syncs this definition, the, the Shapiro definition, not the Copeland one, which wasn't even meant as a definition, but the real thing that syncs the Shapiro definition, if you try to do this sort of rigorous definition, then you have to define your terms further, right? Like, if you say music is r- harmony, melody, and rhythm, then what is harmony, what is melody, what is, what is rhythm, you know? Yeah. And you have to define these in ways that are then meaningful, like, and that also exclude the music you're trying to exclude, too.
0: Especially the question of melody. The question of melody yep. is something that it's like a microcosm of the whole music thing. It it can really fall apart when you look at it very closely.
1: The one that I struggled with is rhythm, because I think a, a good and useful definition of rhythm is that rhythm is events happening across time, but that's all events. <laughs> that's just that's just what time is. And so like, if you want it to be a classifier, if you want rhythm to help you separate music from non-music then you have to be able to separate rhythm from non-rhythm. Yeah, (laughs) And so you can't just say that rhythm is events happening in time because there's nothing that doesn't fit that description. And so what I argued was that what he meant, and I stand by this, is that he meant meter. And I got some pushback on that. Largely from people who didn't continue watching for the extra 30 seconds it would have taken for them to get to the section where I explained why I had to do that and why I recognize the limitations of that. There is nothing that I would consider music that doesn't have something that I would consider rhythm, but there is very little that I would consider not having rhythm. So it becomes, yeah. you have to sort of define the terms in a way that's meaningful.
0: I think the struggles with rhythm and melody can bring us into a question that I want to look into, which is at what point does speech become music? If I were to start, like, I don't know, I was gonna say, if I were to start rapping, I'll just do one that I can acceptably get away with. If I go, Chickadee China, the Chinese chicken, you have a drumstick and your brain stops ticking, Canadian icons, the bare naked ladies. Sure. Is that music? And at what point does it cease to be music? If I go, Chickadee China, the Chinese chicken, he had a drumstick and his brain stopped ticking, at what point, where does speech end? And music begin with things like that.
1: I mean, to borrow a phrase from you earlier, it's not a good answer and it's not a satisfying answer, (laughs) but the answer is it's blurry. Yeah. Uh, And again, this this sort of comes down to, I think, the value of viewing music as an experiential phenomenon and using an an experiential frame is that I can just say that I didn't experience either of those as music. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that neither of them, that no one else did. And it doesn't mean that it didn't make a musical experience happen in my head when I thought back to the actual song you were quoting. Yeah. It means that I did not when I heard those think, huh, that's music, time to think engage my like music thinkingness. That sentence got
0: away from me. It's <laughs> fine. Um <laughs> Your job is engaging your musical thinkingness. That's that's what you do. Yeah. <clears throat> that's that's all we ever do, Noah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The short answer is that when I, like, if I heard it, what you were saying sort of played over the background music of that song, I might have heard what you were saying as music. If I had heard you doing it in a way that was more in line with the rhythm and melody of the song, I might have thought of it more as music. But I didn't really have that experience. But that doesn't mean someone else didn't. And that doesn't mean that it would be wrong for someone else to. It just means that I didn't. I think the big thing that I've tried to stress in a lot of my videos that I think is relevant here is that music isn't a thing. <laughs> yeah. Like there's there's not a thing that's music. And I think that this is a, what really frustrates me is when people try to do sort of music studies and music theory and whatever as a science. And that's not to say there's like music psychology is invalid. Music psychology is really interesting. But like I think that oftentimes people will try and sort of reason out music from first principles and those first principles don't exist. The analogy I've often used is sort of people will try and approach it like it's gravity, right? There's a specific way. As far as we know, we have no reason to believe that there is not a specific way that gravity behaves universally, uniformly across time. And so we can do experiments and we can do calculations and we can try to work out from first principles what that way is. And we have a pretty good idea, not a perfect one, but we have an idea. But music isn't like that. There is no theoretical object that is music that we can just probe and explore, and try to find all the nooks and crannies of and look for the boundaries between this and speech, and or between music and dance and whatever. Like, what music is, is a fundamentally cultural construction, and it's fundamentally fluid as well.
0: Are you familiar with the philosophical concept of subsistence?
1: Not rigorously, so I should probably just let you explain. It sounds familiar.
0: So I am also not rigorously familiar with this, so there's a good chance that I am just butchering this.
1: That's fine. Just to speak really confidently, yeah. and no one will know.
0: <laughs> I want to
1: preface this. We're YouTubers. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's our job. Is what we do. So. Yeah. <laughs> Just be really confident and don't present counterarguments, <laughs> so it sounds like you're a genius. So, subsistence is put, you can kind of compare it to existence, where if something exists, there's a tangibility to it. An example that I think people use is, my existent self is my body. And my brain, something that subsists, is not something that is not real, but it is something that exists intangibly, that you can't kind of like yeah. that there is no firm reality to, in the physical world at least. And for myself, that that would be the concept of the self. That would be Noah as I know and understand myself. And I think music Noah, you know and understand yourself. <laughs> <hey>. <laughs> and I think by that framework, again, I'm sure I'm getting this philosophical thing wrong, but by that framework, if I'm even close to right, music is something that subsists. Music is not something that exists in the physical realm, but that does not mean it's not real. It is something that is real and subsistent and has a kind of essence to it. But the fact that you can't firmly point to something and say it exists.
1: Yeah. It's a, yeah. Has meaning, but not form. Yes. Yes. That sort of fits in because a common frustration of mine will be people just being like, you know, music is just sound waves. And it's like, no, it's not. Yeah. It's so many levels of abstraction above sound waves. (laughs) Like,
0: I mean, another interesting thing about even the sound waves thing is music as we understand it is sound waves built to our frequencies. We don't know what Beethoven's fifth sounds like to an ant who hears at a different frequency. We don't know if that sounds, if that could be anything like music. We don't know if you were able to, I don't know, implant somebody and give them a broader range of hearing. At what point would music stop sounding like music to them?
1: It's an interesting question that I have no real insight into. It's sort of in the same vein as that, you know, like how do you know your red is the same as my red type thing? Yeah, Not quite the same because like you say, you could theoretically maybe develop something that would allow humans to experience a broader frequency range. I don't know. Technology can probably get there eventually. Uh, And it would be interesting to see what happens to music once if if we get that. What happens to old music that wasn't built from that, but also what sorts of new music are we going to make if we have access to these additional frequency
0: ranges? Yeah, exactly. It's like imagine painting with different colors. Yeah. When we talk about these things, it can seem kind of arbitrary and infuriating and it can seem like we're just kind of blowing hot air at each other philosophizing but i do think that these questions matter even if we can't come to a concrete answer as people who engage with music in our lives it is important to investigate the question of what music is even if it is impossible to define
1: I completely agree. A thing that I think frustrates a lot of people about the definition that I use, like again for context, music is anything that you experience as musical, is that you know, like people learn in like middle school English that you're not allowed to use a word in the definition of that word. Yeah. Which, to be clear, is a rule that dictionary companies made up to sell more dictionaries. (laughs) But I get sort of the idea that it is a circular definition. It requires you to define music in order to define music. But that's kind of the point, and that's kind of why I think it's the only useful definition of music that I've found, is that, again, music is fluid. Music doesn't have a definable form. And so the point is that music is a self-defining phenomenon. Music is something that you learn to recognize without learning to identify, and that therefore you have to understand that something is music in order to determine that it is music. And there is no sort of shortcut of saying, like, okay, it has property A, B, and C, and therefore, according to my checklist, that makes it music. There is no checklist. It doesn't exist. And I think that that's a really liberating thing, in my opinion, to sort of recognize about music, is that, like, this is a—it's isn't it's an experience that we create. It's an experience that we craft on our own, in our own minds, and in our own lives, more than it
0: is something that is— handed to us externally and, and i think that once you realize that it can free you to make a lot of really cool music like pendulum music or even things like another example that i remembered i wanted to bring up in this conversation uh is sound collage like revolution 9 by the beatles yeah that stuff where Sound collage, I mean, a lot of people don't like Revolution 9. It's one of my favorite Beatles songs. I think I love Revolution 9. Exactly. It's so good. I, I, I think it is an incredibly dramatic emotional piece that, like, it stirs feelings in in me when I hear it. When you open yourself up to the possibility that anything could be music, your music, if you're a musician, you'll be able to play with things and experiment and be like, oh, well, if anything could be music maybe I can just use this sound clip in this. And that's something that I think a lot of early hip hop really did with sampling. Hip hop sampling does a really cool job of turning things that aren't music into music and pushing the boundaries of what music might be. And generally sound collage is good at that. And then there's also these experimental composers and experimental compositions like we talked about. Like I think it enriches the world when musicians don't try to limit themselves to strict definitions of what is and isn't music
1: yeah and another thing that comes to mind and this is maybe more of an analogy than an example the stuff you were saying really made me think of the way tom morello approaches guitar yes, solos
0: absolutely it's
1: just like it feels very much like he doesn't feel the need to prove to you that this is something he's allowed to do with a guitar
0: he's talked about this a lot before about how he views every aspect of his guitar as a piece of the instrument, and as a piece of the instrument, as in something that can create sound yeah. for him, it's not just the yeah. strings. Everything about the guitar is the instrument.
1: Right. And I think that that's, you sort of analogize that out to music. Again, you don't have to prove that this is something you're allowed to do, right? You don't have to show, like, okay, well, I have chords, so it counts as music. You know, you can just do whatever you want. It sort of opens up a lot of doors. And I think. I mean, I I tend to also think it's really liberating as an audience member too. like, oh, yeah, you're allowed to experience the music however you want. Even if that music does follow the traditional Ben Shapiro checklist and have all the things you're not required to experience it through that lens, you can experience it whatever way is most meaningful to
0: you. I think an example of that, of experiencing things that were not intended to be music as part of the music, is a lot of people will tell you that they love listening to vinyl crackle as part of sounds. Yeah. And and that's something that when you are listening to that, when you're listening to that crackle and you like that old weathered sound, that has become part of the music that was not intentional, it's not organized, it's not something the musician wanted. But that vinyl crackle is there and you are appreciating it not as something on top of the music. When you listen to a song with like a a satisfying crackle to it that comes from that, you're listening to that as music. Yeah,
1: we're talking about sort of things sitting on top of the music. And I think this sort of brings us back to a thing we talked about a couple episodes ago, which is lyrics and the way that I think a lot of people think about lyrics as sitting on top of the music, as being a separate component that can be meaningfully extracted and read on its own terms. As I argued in a previous episode of this podcast, I don't think that's a particularly useful way to view lyrics most of the time. I think that it's much better to view them as an integrated part of the thing. And obviously not all music has lyrics, but music that has lyrics...
0: Wait, you're telling me there's music that doesn't have lyrics?
1: Yeah, there's one piece, it's called Beethoven's 5th
0: Wait, I thought the lyrics to that were dun 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 dun.
1: (laughs) But yeah, no. (laughs) I was about to come back in and start talking again. (laughs) (laughs) Part of why I think that lyrics are best viewed as being a part of music is because, again, they change the experience in the same way that vinyl crackle does. Like, if you listen to a song with like vinyl crackle as opposed to without it, it's a different experience and you can have a different emotional reaction to it. And the same way, like if you take the same melody and chords and arrangement or whatever, but put different words there, you can fundamentally change that experience of not just of the words, but of the chords and the melody as
0: well. I think another thing about on the concept of changing the fundamental experience, I think that's where that's really interesting with things like the disintegration loops or even, and I swear to God, this is going to be one of my favorite side-by-sides i've ever done oh no the disintegration loops or alvin and the chipmunks played at 16 rpm have you ever heard alvin and the chipmunks played at 16 rpm yep it is the heaviest on earth (laughs) (laughs) and i think that's something in general that we see a lot in the internet is people just looking at music and just breaking it down and thinking of new ways to experience it outside of this kind of strict uh, structure in which it was intended to be experienced.
1: That can be sort of changing the sound, but it can also just be conceptual. Like, until you said the elephant and the Chipmunks thing, the thing I thought you were going to say was All-Star. <laughs> that That too. Because I think the culture of All-Star is a part of the musical experience of All-Star, right? Hey, now. I think... <laughs> This is getting really, like, avant-garde in my interpretation of music, and I understand that I may have lost some people here. If that's anyone listening, I'm sorry. Uh, I stand by it, though. (laughs) But I think that the experience of listening to All Star, if you are aware of the meme culture of it, is different from the experience of listening to it without that like i think that the experience of listening to all-star back in the day when it had just come out like i was in i don't remember what grade i was in
0: listening to it play over shrek's opening credits as a child yeah
1: where it's just like okay that's a song and it's, it's a good song I, I don't hate it but it's like it's a song but now in 2021
0: it's all it's star.
1: all star yeah it's it's not just a song anymore <laughs> and i think that having that context makes the experience different in a way that is a part of the music. And again, I apologize if you're listening to this and that just sounded like complete gibberish. Yeah, that's that's the music debate. I don't know what to tell you.
0: <laughs> if that sounded like complete gibberish to you, then my whole channel's kind of redundant. <laughs> Cuz my entire channel is about recontextualizing music and it changes the way it it fundamentally changes the way that you experience it. When you know the story behind a song, yeah. Anyways, I think there's one thing we can all agree is definitely music. Limp Biscuits cover of Behind <laughs> Blue Eyes. Look, no
1: one knows what it's like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you have, do you have any more
1: thoughts on this? I mean, I think we've sort of covered most of the things I wanted to say. Uh, I I cannot. Stress enough, Ben Shapiro's definition is wrong. We did John Cage,
0: we did All Star, we did Alvin and the Chipmunks.
1: (laughs) Yeah, those are the three elements of music. (laughs) (laughs) By your powers combined.
0: (laughs) Not that we would do this, but we could come back in a year and have this conversation again, and I would love it just as much. I really enjoy breaking down and getting into what is music because it's just the more that you look into it, the more you realize that there's no such thing as music. <laughs>
1: and if we did that, like our stances would almost certainly be at least slightly different. Yes. like I think that my view on what counts as music is constantly evolving. The general definition that I use, anything that one experiences as music, has been pretty stable for a long time now because it's very flexible. But because of that flexibility, the, what I think about specific examples keeps changing. And I think that's part of the fun.
0: If any of you have like pieces of conceptual music that you really enjoy, you should tweet them at us because I think conceptual music and experimental music is is really cool. A, it's just fun to listen to a lot of the time because it sounds that you haven't really heard before. Yeah. But it's also fun to listen to because it makes you think about things and it makes you question your experience of music. And I think that that's something yeah. that's that's really fun. That includes if you've made any conceptual music in the internet age. There's more tools than ever that people have to to break down what music is. Yeah, I I will say on that in my experience like I find I
1: often enjoy thinking about experimental music more than listening to it. Like that's not so much the case with like pendulum music, but like a lot of the time like you know, if you're if you have like there's really cool ideas and then like I I don't necessarily have like a super musical experience to them, but there are times when I do and I'm always looking for times that I do and I, I I'm saying that not to say, like, don't send me your experimental music, please do. I think that there's sort of, for a lot of people, an insecurity around experimental music. Yeah. Where they feel like they don't get it and they feel bad about it. And I think it's worth recognizing that for any given piece, a lot of people don't get it.
0: And that's okay. And I think a lot of experimental music, even some of my favorite kind of experimental sound art and music... I can't listen to the whole thing, and I don't listen to the whole thing. I listen to bits and pieces and then think about what that is trying to say. The end of There Existed an Addiction to Blood, uh, there's a track
1: called Piano Burning. And I was listening to the album, I wasn't watching the track list, and that came on, I didn't know what it was, and it was just such a fascinating soundscape. Yeah. It's so interesting. But it's also like 10 minutes long
0: and i definitely ducked long. out
1: after eight. 18 oh, yeah i definitely <laughs> ducked out after like five yeah but it's just like it's such a cool especially if you don't know what it is because you know if you look at the title you're like okay piano burning so i apologize to everyone i just ruined the surprise for <laughs> like even knowing that it's still really interesting but like, you still get to a point where you understand where it's going and at some point i just had to duck out but it's still great and I think that that's okay, too, if you really appreciate a piece of music, but you also don't want to listen to the entire thing. Like, again, we mentioned long player. You can appreciate long player without listening to the entire thing because the entire thing is a thousand years long.
0: You say you're a real long player fan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Name five of
0: its centuries. Yeah. <laughs> clipping is a great place to leave this, too, because I cl- think clipping is just living proof of what we were saying earlier, where when you... Break down definitions of what music is and learn that anything can be music. It can be really liberating and you can make some incredible music. And I think both you and I would agree that clipping are one of the most exciting artists working today. Huge fan of clipping. Yeah. So moral of the story. Go listen to clipping
1: highly recommend uh, there existed an addiction to blood it's one of my favorite albums yeah like the, their other albums too are great it's just that one in particular is very spoke to me a lot as a horror rock fan yeah all right where can people
0: find you cory
1: uh the internet really yeah no uh youtube and twitter you you know how to search platforms on twitter it's 12 tone videos not 12 tone people tweet at 12 tone sometimes
0: that's a dead account i would love to own it but i don't And you can find me on YouTube, on Twitch. I've been doing some live streams. I've got a polyphonic live, a secondary channel where you can see me do like tier lists and and things like that. Yeah. You know, and just around. If you see me in the streets, say hi. You'll know what I look like. I mean, I do. And uh, (laughs) and and follow the show on Twitter. We might we might tweet something from from it sometimes. Sometimes we do occasionally. But you can
1: also follow us on Nebula. But if you don't have Nebula, if you're listening to this on a non-Nebula thing, you should check out Nebula. It's pretty cool.
0: If you don't have Nebula and you're listening to this, the next episode will already be up uh, on Nebula. So yeah, they're going up a month early. Go check it out. What's that about? I don't know yet. You'll know something more than me. It'll be about music, probably. But what is music?
1: But yeah, we just established anything as music, so it could be about anything.
0: Exactly. We're really opening the doors here for our, yeah. for our podcast. Just, just next month, the music theory of tax policy. <laughs> all right. Thank you all so much for listening. Yeah, especially to this last bit that got a bit rambling. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, take care. Bye.